All right, thank you, ladies. Wonderful. All right, let's get our Bibles out tonight, and um, let's start on with Second uh, Timothy chapter number two. I want to read um, just one one verse here uh, that says it all. Uh, when you compare the life of the Apostle Paul to the Bible, and you see all the troubles he went through, he made a comparison here that's really exciting. And tonight, being the, the today being I love my Bible Sunday, um, this this is wonderful. Where the Apostle Paul he made a comment about the Bible, about the Word of God. So let's go to chapter number two in Second Timothy, verse number nine, and let's pray tonight. Our Father, tonight we thank you for your blessings to us again and again and over and over. And we, we thank you for your consistent love to us. We thank you for the abundant grace that you have to us and the mercy and the compassion and the uh, patience with all of God's people. And we thank you that even though this morning, Lord, uh, that, that message is in the books, but it is true one day we'll be all together in heaven in the great harvest. And so we pray that you'll help us to stay close to our Bibles and help us to love our Bibles again. And this brand new year, Lord, help us to uh, spend more time in the Bible this year than we did last year. Help us to uh, seek you early. And uh, Lord, help us to have you in our hearts all day long. Help us not to drift away. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So now, verse number 9 as you look at this verse, I want you to see something behind it. Um, <clears throat> the Apostle Paul said, Wherein I suffered trouble as an evildoer. Now, he was not an evildoer, but they treated him like one, and he suffered like he was an evildoer. Uh, and we know that the Bible says, even unto bonds. Now, that word bond in the Bible, that is what happens when you're... Uh, you're in prison, and the word bound, uh, you are in bonds, and uh, you're, you're being held in prison with shackles or uh, stocks or whatever the Bible says. So he said this, he said, he suffered trouble as an evildoer, and even unto bonds, meaning he was in prison and jail, he, he went to jail for Jesus over and over again. Every time they could slap him in jail, he, they put him in jail. How embarrassing would that be? I don't know very many preachers that went to jail. I know Lester Roloff was put in jail as an innocent man. And uh, the Lord blessed him. By the way, just real quick, Jack Patterson told us a story about the cell that uh, Lester Roloff was in. And... Uh, for how, three days, I think he was in jail because he wouldn't, he wouldn't uh, recognize uh, that uh, the state of Texas wanted to shut down his Christian school and his uh, dormitories. But anyway, they put him in jail, and he began to sing in jail. And he was just a wonderful, wonderful man of God. Just, he was so powerful. And we've got all of his tapes and... Uh, I'm just, I just love listening to him. He had the girls singing. So they would visit him in jail, and all the prisoners on that floor used to listen to him sing. So when he got released from the jailhouse, the jailer there at the Nueces County Jail in Corpus Christi, Texas, he forbid anybody else to go into that cell. 
They wouldn't put any criminal in that cell. You know what he said? He said, that's the holy man's cell right there. And they kept that without anybody, prisoners going in there for I don't know how long, but just because he was in there. So there is times when people go to jail um, for nothing. They, they, uh, they are incarcerated. By the way, Jesus was uh, put, put in what you'd call bonds. Uh, they arrested him. And uh, so don't, don't, don't think that the world is just going to treat Christians all lovey-dovey all the time. But the, th- the fact of the matter is that he suffered trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds. And so they arrested him several times. In fact, uh, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, two, three of our Bibles at least were, were written from, from a prison cell. And this isn't the United States jail stuff. This is, this is big time. This is a Mamertine prison. This is when the Romans put you in jail. And Paul's in there in Philippians rejoicing and praising God and singing. And so what, what Paul's saying here is he, he had to go to jail. He had to go to prison for no reason other than just standing up for Jesus. But he said this about the Bible. But the word of God is not bound. Do you see the power in that statement that our Bible is so powerful you can talk about it anytime you like? If you do it in the right way, your boss can hear about Jesus. Anybody can. You can talk about the Lord. You can talk about God. You can quote scripture. You can be nice to people and you can love people and you can share the gospel with them. How many uh, down where you work, there is literature all over the place, whether it's a, a, a magazine or a periodical or the newspaper. How many, how many have seen those types of literature where you work? Okay. You can have a Bible. You can have a Bible where you work. You can take your Bible with you. If they have a newspaper on the desk, you can have a Bible on the desk. We just need people to have some courage, amen? amen. Yeah, how many How many are not excited about losing your job? <laughs> you brought a Bible to church. That's good. <laughs> but that's, uh, that's only the beginning, amen? I mean, there, there's a story about our old pastor in Jacksonville. They had a little girl in uh, this, the, uh, the church there. She was a bus rider, and she was crying one day. And the teacher, the Sunday school teacher, asked her what was wrong. And she was, I'm scared to go to school tomorrow and uh, because I got in trouble. And she said, what would you get in trouble for? Well, I, I took my Bible to my school. And um, she said, well, that's okay. And the little girl said, no, I got in really bad trouble. The teacher told me I couldn't bring my Bible to, to school. And so she, she let it be known to the uh, leadership of the church. And the word got back to the pastor and he called up the mother of the daughter and, and, and he went to their home and talked about it and found out that, yeah, this, uh, this uh, high school or grade school uh, principal uh, told all the kids they couldn't bring their Bible to school. And uh, so he, he said to the principal of the school that he'd like to have an appointment. So he made an appointment to go to the school and talk to the principal. But just just for for good good measure, he brought along his lawyer, and so he sat down in the conference room with the school principal, and uh, he said, "I understand 
that you have made it uh, very clear to the students that they are not to bring their Bible to class. She said, yes, that's our rule. And he said, well, that's the, that." he gave her the rule and he, 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 he had the lawyer right with him. But anyway, she got all uh, defensive and said, well, that's our policy. And he said, well, I, I would hate to litigate this in court. She said, you don't mean it. You're serious. You wouldn't take me to court over this. And at that point, he turned to the lawyer and he gave the lawyer instructions to start a lawsuit against the school Amen. right in front of the principal. Amen. And it's over the Bible. So the principal said, well, I guess it's okay. Yeah, yeah okay, we'll, we'll, we're making, yeah, it's all right. You know, there's people that hate this book. They don't want it in society. They don't want it down where you work. They don't want it in the education system. And I'm, I, I must say, I, I think I know uh, what, I, what I would be if I was a school teacher uh, if in a public school. I would be fired. Uh, <laughs> and I know what would happen if I was in uh, the military cl- farther along than I went. I would probably be stuck on Diego Garcia out in the middle of the Indian Ocean. <laughs> Well, we can't kick you out of the service. We can put you on a stinking island out in the middle of the Indian Ocean. We'll get rid of you, you big mouth. But uh, I'm telling you, I, I tell you, we need to stand up for this book. Amen. It, it's courageous. And, you know, there's a way to do it. There really is. Uh, I'm against people that uh, uh, do it without love and without wisdom and tact. And all things are lawful, but not all things are expedient. I mean, you can get fired if you don't do it right. Amen? Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you probably wouldn't want to do it wrong. But there's a way to get the Bible out of your heart and into the minds and hearts of other people. There's a way to do it. It's not bound. There's no law against the Bible. Uh, other than the fact that we just kowtow and we capitulate and we, uh, we, we give up. And we, uh, we're, we're, we're uh, very frightened of, of how in the world are we going to uh, be aggressive in, in a nice way, uh, maybe standing for the truth in a nice way, in a, in a good way, in a loving way. There's always somebody. Uh, in fact, you know, at Costco the other, uh, I think it was several months ago, there was a young man sitting right by our table. My wife and my girls were here. We were eating Oh, well, they were eating hot dogs, but I was eating real food. I was eating pizza. I was eating the pizza, amen? I mean, there's, there's nothing better than a pizza from Costco. But we were all eating, having a good time. And this young teenage boy started cursing with the most vile cursing that you'd ever heard. And he, he knew that he was loud. He knew he was being heard by us. And I thought, Lord, what am I going to do? I can't beat him over the head with my Bible, I, I and or upside the face. I, I he needed it, right? What something had to be done. You can't let that go on. You've got to stand up somehow. So I said, "Excuse me." I said, "You know, I can't tell you how to live, and I'm not your dad and everything." And I said, "I, I really just want to ask you, as nice as I can, uh, my wife sitting here and my daughters." And I said, is there any way that you could watch your language? Mm-hmm. You know what he said? He said, I appreciate you talking to me like that. Mm-hmm. He said, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll, thank you. I'll stop. And he stopped talking like a sailor. Mm-hmm. 
And I thought, I must have done something right. You know, instead, you dirty sinner, you wicked man, you're going to hell. I, have you ever met people like that? That ought not to be your best friend. You know, you, you just... <laughs> and I've been around people like that. And I, I love them. They're going to heaven, but that's not the way you do it. Amen? There's better ways to, to get to God. But the Word of God doesn't have any boundaries to it. And tonight, uh, I think our country's made some big mistakes. They've, they've drifted away from the Bible. And I'm not saying that our country as much as Christians have, you know, if Christians stood up for what we believe, we would, do, we would find that doors would open up before us and God would make a way for us to, to be in leadership. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But the, when the wicked rule, the people mourn. And so it's really up to us as Christians to, to live out our Bible, to live right there. There's the book. Do what it says as, as best you can. I mean, it's right there. You can live your life a wonderful life. It's just, it's just do, do we want to? And I think a lot of Christianity today in, in our country just decided that, well, it doesn't matter what the Bible says. We don't really care what the Bible says. Um, and, you know, that attitude is permeating our country in Christianity, in, in, church, in church circles. Uh, but the Bible does matter. It, it does matter what this Bible says. It really is the, the uh, guideline for our lives. And we should all have a, a, human, a, a humble attitude toward what God said. Uh, Brother Carlson today, you were talking about how Job just kind of pressed God. He, he, he was in his humanity and, and God had to just tell him, you don't run everything. That's right. You know, I run everything. God runs everything. And for what he says is so important for our lives, we, we should care. Have you ever been at odds with God? Please, if you ever have, just remember how you felt. Uh, we ought to be shocked. Oh, am I wrong about that? Did God say something different than what I feel? I don't care what, if, it's, if it's how you raise your kids or if it's how you treat people, how you, you know, deal with money or your personal life or your entertainment, anything. The Bible is the key to the whole thing of being happy as a Christian. It really is. So our country, uh, I would say Christians in America, uh, we, we've, we've really seen some terrible things happen. Number one is in 1962, there's decisions by the Supreme Court that I believe are almost impossible to uh, re, uh, re, uh, or re... Not... Uh, re, Reverse, that's the word I'm looking for. Almost impossible to reverse. In 1962, the Supreme Court had a case and they uh, determined that there would be no uh, official school prayer. Let me read you their, their finding. Um, uh, so it said, quote, the prayer... Uh, in this in this case, this is what the the, the, the school was doing. They said, let's have prayer uh, in the morning before we start class. And this is this is their prayer. You you'll agree with this. Quote, Almighty God, we acknowledge our dependence upon thee, and we beg thy blessings upon us, our parents, our teachers, and our country. Amen. 
What in the world is wrong with that? That's, you know what they said? Well, we don't want to hear that prayer. We don't want anybody praying like that in a, in a public school. And the Supreme Court completely blew it there. Nobody was forced to pray. Nobody had to do it. It was just that the school being run by the federal government uh, had, had to uh, uh, capitulate to these people that uh, Engel versus Vitale, uh, they wanted no official school prayer. Now, some might say, well, yeah, I agree with that. That's fine. That's fine. And I, my, my problem is not whether or not people want to pray, but nobody was ever forced to pray. Nobody was ever pressured to pray. There was, how long did that pray, prayer take? Uh, let's see. Somebody time me, okay? All right, this is what the, the Supreme Court said you can't do. All right, I'm going to start in about five seconds, and you time me. Ready, begin. Almighty God, we acknowledge our dependence upon Thee, and we beg Thy blessings upon us, our parents, our teachers, and our country. Amen. Less than 10 seconds. What in the world were they thinking when they made a federal case out of that? You see how people didn't want that Bible in their lives? That's what we're dealing with. There's nothing, nothing wrong with that. Then in 1963, there was another Supreme Court case against hearing and sometimes reading portions of the Bible. Just, just reading it and hearing it was against the law. So here's the thing. 25 states out of the 50 in America in 1963 had laws that said it's optional. So they made laws in the states. They gave the permission to the schools, the local schools, and they said it's optional. You can do it or you don't. We don't care. You can read the Bible in the morning. No problem. It's up to you. So they gave the teachers the uh, prerequisite or the uh, prerogative to go ahead and do it if they wanted to. They didn't have to. It wasn't a law. They said, and then the other 25 states were actually neutral on it. So uh, 25 states said it's optional. 25 states said we don't even want to deal with it. It's not an issue. And that went to the Supreme Court. And now you can't read the Bible in a public school. A teacher cannot take, take your Bible and read it out loud in a public school or they'll be in violation of the Supreme Court. Unconstitutional. Boy, I wish people get back to that Constitution and read what it said. You know how many, how many times the Lord is mentioned in our Constitution and in the preamble and all the official writings of our nation? Do you agree then that our country is uh, kind of drifting away from the Bible? It's sad, isn't it? But you know what? Uh, you can't bound the Bible. You can't bind it up. It's not going to be put under a constraint. The Guinness Book of World Records shows that the best-selling book up to 1995 in the whole entire world was the Bible. I don't have statistics for up to date today after the last 20 some odd years, but I know that you know what's creeping up pretty close to it is that Harry Potter book, the all the, the Harry Potter uh, uh, novel system. Why is that selling so much? Why are all these novels selling so much? Why is it that people's minds and hearts are drifting off into that, you know what, I, I, I don't think it's a sin. I'm not saying it's a sin. There's all kinds of fun things. I go to the fair once, uh, once a year, you know. I don't think it's a big fat sin to go to the fair. But, you know, my mind's usually not on the Bible when I'm <laughs> watching cotton candy being made. 
And when I see those guys walk by with that steak and fries, I say, oh, I'll read my Bible later. You know, I, I like I like to go to the fair ones. I'm not saying it's all a sin. Don't think don't think that of me. It's not true. But we need the Bible and we need to read it more. That's why every year I say, hey, if you'll read the Bible, I will give you a steak dinner. And uh, it's starting. I hope you've started already. But the Guinness Book of World Records says that the, the number one book in the whole world up to 1995 was the Bible. The Bible is not a novel. The Bible is not a fairy tale. The Bible is not a newspaper. You're not supposed to treat the Word of God as if it's just a periodical sitting on your coffee table. It's supposed to be when you need help and your heart is broken and your life is a mess and your marriage is going bad, you need this book. Yes. You, can't, you can't live without this book. God said you can't do that. You're, you go ahead and eat all the gourmet food you want, but that's not going to do you one bit of good if you don't read the Bible. Man shall not live by bread. I'm not against health food, except for I don't eat it. But <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, I'm actually... Uh, I mean, I think you ought to be healthy if you can, if you want to be. But, you know, these these uh, these vitamin stores, I, I would say there's probably more GNC stores than there are Bible stores. There's more health food nuts in this world uh, going about trying to trying to be healthy. Man, some of the stuff that they want to be healthy with will kill you. It'll put you in the hospital. Hey, anybody remember how many old school people we have here? Remember Yule Gibbons? <laughs> He'd come on the, the TV, you know, commercial right before the Disney uh, movie every uh, Sunday night at nine o'clock before we went to bed. And he said, and he was all this health food stuff and said, ever eat a pine cone? And he'd be munching on a piece of a pine cone. He said, many parts are edible. And he just, you can look it up, but guess what? He died, uh, and he, he died early, and I think he ate the wrong piece of the pine cone. I don't know. I don't know what he did wrong, but, man, he was into this health food. and uh, Oh, I think he was into grape nut cereal or something like that. I don't remember. But, man, that stuff's hard to eat. It'll chip your teeth. You can be healthy and go to the dentist, you know. Oh, man, what's wrong? I was going to chip four or five of my teeth. I ate some of that health food. But be careful with that. Be careful. But the Bible's not supposed to be looked at as just some kind of newspaper on your desk. It's supposed to be what you go to when your heart is ripped apart, when your children have problems, when you need counsel, when somebody's getting counsel from you, when you have a problem. Maybe there's... a. Uh, maybe there's some kind of relationship problem within the family or the, the kin or just whatever it is. I, this, this is amazing. How many have ever had a time when you just opened up the Bible and it fell on a scripture and you said, oh, my soul, I needed that. Have you ever had that happen? I'll tell you why it hasn't happened. You don't flip it open enough. <laughs> Talking about win the lottery. Good gracious, this is better odds. You just flip open the Bible. Oh, I needed that. Flip it open again. Oh, I needed that. Wow, I never knew that was... I need that. I need that. Yeah, the truth is you need the whole Bible. Amen? All of it. Every page from, from cover to cover. While Paul was repeatedly in prison, bound in jail, he was happy. He was joyful. He had the Word of God with him. You know, our livelihood and prosperity is found 
linked to the Bible. This is, uh, this is not you know, prosperity living, but it is true that if you live for God, eventually He will give you prosperity that you never knew you could get, not, not financially only. I'm just saying He could prosper you. And we know that Joshua 1.8 tells us that. But look at Hebrews chapter number 2 for a minute. Hebrews chapter 2, verse number 1, says very clearly, now watch. It says, therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Do you know what it is to heed? It's akin to some other words like yield or, or you tell a dog to heal. Uh, you, you listen to me and do what I say and take heed and make it, make it happen in your life. If you take heed to something, uh, you take heed to a stop sign, do you not? What happens if you do not heed the stop sign? You get a ticket or you get in trouble or you hurt somebody. So he says, therefore, we Christians ought to give more earnest heed. Not just heed, not earnest heed, but more earnest heed to the things which we have heard. Boy, that Bible can speak to your heart. And by the way, uh, just remember this. While you're in church and you're sitting in church where you ought to be listening to the message, uh, God can talk to you in ways I never even knew that it was going to happen. You don't have to lock yourself into the very only words that I speak because the Holy Spirit is here. And while I'm talking about something, God can talk to you about something totally different. And I know it can happen. It's happened before. Somebody will say, well, Pastor, that was a great message on tithing. And I never talked one word about tithing. <laughs> Or you'll bring up a subject as that's well, I never even mentioned it. Get the tape. But you know what? I'd rather have the Lord speak to your heart in the place where you should be, doing what you ought to do, listening, because the gospel is a miraculous, wonderful force of God. And God will talk to you while you're in church like He will never talk to you in any other place in that way. He, that's why He told us, Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but so much the more. As you see the day approaching, so much the more. We, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't forsake this Bible. We shouldn't, shouldn't forsake the, the things that it says. We should give more earnest heed to the things which we've heard. Did you know... That uh, in, uh, in 1620, for those of you who are in my class, you're exempt from this test right now. But uh, for the Mayflowers, uh, did you know what those Mayflower pilgrims called themselves? I already taught on this. Yeah, there were Puritans and there were what? Separatists, right. Now, do you know what verse they used to get on that uh, Mayflower and get out of England and Holland? I want to show it to you. You know right where it is, 2 Corinthians 6. Let's go there. By the way, you say, is that Bible that old? Yeah, it's that old. This Bible is why we have a country right now, by the way. It is because of this book that we hold in our hands, this very book right here, these words, that were they weren't changed. Don't, don't fall into the trap thinking that they were changed and we don't have 
what, what uh, the apostles gave us. We certainly do. God promised to preserve it and inspire it and reveal it to us. There's no, no doubt about it. But look now with me. It says in chapter 6 now, and it says in verse number 14, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Does that mean you can't have an unbelieving friend? No. Does that mean you can't uh, have fellowship with your relatives if one of them's not saved? No. That, that word yoke together, that's, that's a little stronger, isn't it, than just having an acquaintance? You know what? You're not supposed to marry anybody that's not saved. All you young people better listen to me. I know exactly what I'm talking about. And if you don't listen to me, you can listen to a whole lot of broken hearts out there. But you can't, you can't, you can't get together and marry somebody that's not a believer. That's what that means. So you, there has to be some kind of separation. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? You better be careful how close a fellowship you have. Because you can have fellowship with unsaved people and then eventually it will violate the Scripture. You just can't get too close. Is that right? Yes. All right. <clears throat> uh, and uh, what con- communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? So is it, uh, is it wise for us to think we could get away with having idolatry in the church? Should we uh, open up the Koran and have uh, five minutes of Bible reading, five minutes of Koran reading? You know what? That's what the schools are doing. They kick the Bible out, but they let the students read the Koran. They don't kick the Koran out. That's, that's hypocrisy. What part hath he with the believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Now, wherefore, because of what that was just said, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. So verse 17 says real clearly, doesn't it? And guess who read that? The pilgrims. Guess what they did? They got out. They got out of all those churches. They got on that ship and they came over to uh, America, started a new colony, and the rest is history in American history. Did you know that Abraham Lincoln had a Bible? Did you know that it's in... Uh, in Springfield, Missouri, I believe it's in the it's it's in the museum there. Did you know that that Bible was wrapped up in a family's uh, belongings? Uh, uh, well, when when Mary Todd Lincoln had the funeral, uh, she gave the Bible to the preacher that conducted the funeral for Lincoln, and then what he did was he kept it in his family, and the the uh, great 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 granddaughter had Lincoln's Bible in her house and uh, the fella that she turned it over to so that it could be put in the um, the museum he had to carry this thing this bible that belonged to Lincoln uh, over to Springfield Missouri so he got on a plane and they had to check his luggage and his bags and everything and he said that when he opened up the bag to show the airport attendant the TSA agent or whoever was looking uh, they burst out into tears when they found out it was Lincoln's Bible. You know, these Bibles are precious. They're so powerful. Don't ever lose your Bible. If you do, find it. <laughs> yeah. 
Where'd you put it? Well, uh, I don't know. But Abraham Lincoln's Bible in 1864 uh, was is now found. Uh, and you know what scripture he used while he was thinking about the Emancipation Proclamation to free the slaves? He used Matthew. Matthew 12, 25, where it states that a house divided against itself can't stand. We had presidents that love this book. Amen. By the way, I think we've got a president that's coming around to this book Amen. rather quickly. And his vice president's already in the book. Amen. Very deeply, by the way. Can somebody shout amen? amen? I mean, really, isn't that great news? So in, eight, in eight, uh, 1789, when George uh, Washington was inaugurated, he was on the balcony of the federal building, a federal hall in New York City on Wall Street. There was no Supreme Court judge at that time. They hadn't been installed. So he got the most powerful judge in New York to come and issue the, uh, the, uh, the oath of office. And when George Washington was inaugurated, he said, so help me God. And he kissed the Bible. What Bible do you think that he kissed? I guarantee you it was the Bible you have in your lap. It's the Bible that made our country great. I love my Bible. I love my Bible Sunday. Amen? Amen. Do you love your Bible? Are you going to try to read it? Listen, in World War II... A man named Don Morrison was shot in the uh, front lines in Germany. Uh, he was left for dead. Shrapnel was all over, cut up his body. But he had this big pocket Bible right in his lapel here in his, in his fatigues. It was a big thick one. I saw a picture of it. And a big old chunk of shrapnel from a grenade came and hit that Bible and stuck right in the Bible and stayed there. And he lived. It knocked him down. He got back up, began to fight more. And when he when he got done with the battle, he looked down. His Bible had a big old chunk of steel in it. It was about a quarter of inch wide, half and three quarter inch long, and it was coming right for his heart. And it stuck right in his Bible. He put that Bible in a little plexiglass case, and it, he shows it off. And he said, "It's a miracle." You know that Bible does more than just save your life, doesn't it? Isn't that amazing how God would let that happen? That's happened in the Civil War. That's happened in Korea. That's happened in World War II. And there's all kinds of, of, of stories, if you look for them, where the Bible and uh, which Bible it was. In Iowa, a veteran died named John Phillips. And uh, he was in the Battle of the Bulge in France. And when he got into the uh, army... Uh, Roosevelt uh, had printed up a bunch of Bibles to give to all the soldiers and sailors. And uh, he, he personally had a, a copied signature of his signature, you know, in all the Bibles. So John Phillips, in the Battle of the Bulge, he had the same thing happen to him. Uh, it was cold and it was snowy. And a German ambushed him. They, he said they were in the trees and behind him and the side of him. He got shot five times almost died the fifth shot the very last shot guess what that hit according to the message the bible. what do you think it hit the bible. the bible in his pocket and he's got the bible open and sees where the where the bullet stopped in the bible it's just amazing now it's not going to happen to everybody but i think this 
We have a wonderful opportunity this year to put everything aside for a while, cut out a little more time with things that you use, things that you do, uh, your lifestyle, your routine, your habits, uh, cut out some of that and uh, get alone and get into the Bible. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if you're like I am, but sometimes I say, boy, this is this is overwhelming. I feel like I got to read it all. And my wife says, well, you know, you, you study and don't feel guilty about not getting all the way through it. And I think, yeah, but I want to buy myself a steak dinner. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> anyway, it's, uh, it's just wonderful. Cut out some of the things in your life that will help you and spend more time in the Bible. It may take, how, how many, you have a photographic memory, it's just having trouble developing the film, right? Your brain is an amazing tool. It's amazing. It's a muscle. It's actually, it, it, if you practice at something, your brain actually uh, converts your whole life over to that way. And that's, then your brain expects it. And your brain actually is, com uh, it's almost like it's, um, uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, programmed to do these things. And so if you program your brain, it will, it will do you good. If you program time for reading, you'll get into the habit of it and your brain expects it. Um, my goodness, when I smell coffee at certain times of the day, my mouth waters. Is that anybody like that? I mean, you know, how many like? Yeah. yeah. Same thing with tobacco. No, no, no. <laughs> if you don't let me joke, I quit. Okay, come on, come on. It, it, it was funny. It's not in the joke book, but it's funny. All right, anyway. But yeah, when I smell coffee, I mean, I think, oh man, that's great. How about, how about, how about bacon, the smell of bacon? Anybody like the smell of bacon? Yeah, yeah. How about you come home and there's a roast cooking or something like that? Are you with me? I mean, I like I like going uh, and smell ah garlic, yeah. Or and the other day uh, for Christmas, um, my girls got me a big old jar of um, olives, you know, stuffed olives, all kinds of stuff that shouldn't stuff inside of them. And man, when they opened it, I started my mouth started watering like, oh man, garlic olives, yeah. And my wife looking like, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm going, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Give me a spoon, quick. You know, we, 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 we don't get into the right habits, and if we would, our brain actually, uh, it, it, it controls our body for time like that. You actually begin to prepare yourself to read the Bible, and it, it's, not, it, it, it's not as mechanical as you think. We were made to read the Bible, and it's, it's so good. So I want to challenge you with that. And lastly, uh, with this last verse, I want to show you why it's so important that we do that. Let's go to John chapter 1. And it's so important because you've heard this uh, probably a hundred times, but it it's needs to be repeated because we forget and we, uh, we lessen the importance of the Bible in our lives sometimes. Uh, we get too busy. But look at this. This is why it's so important. Verse 1 of chapter 1 in the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the what? Word. The Word. Isn't that amazing? God said that. 
And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now I'm going to say something that I hope you understand what I mean. The Word of God is God. That's what the Bible says. Now, I know that this is paper and ink. I know that too. But there's got to be something important about reading it. Amen? Amen. There has to be something to it. I don't, know, I don't know what God said if it wasn't written down. I don't have that good of a memory. You can't just tell me something and I remember it. Ask my wife. <laughs> Did you remember? The, I forgot. I'm so sorry. Uh, and boy, oh boy, is she patient. And boy, oh boy, isn't God patient. Yeah. Yeah. But if you don't read the Bible, you're never going to know what God really said. And you can't get away with thinking, yeah, I read it 10 years ago. No, you got to read it as often as you can. Because you'll forget. And then verse 14, and the word, capital W, again was made what? Flesh. Flesh. Isn't that a miracle? That the very word of God became a human being.